0: Chapter 82, Rocket Man Whenever the slaw gathered, a hag could be found. Part banshee, part nightflyer. They manifested the destructive abilities of both species. The sonic blast I'd been dealt with originated as the banshee's wailing scream. The poison dart came from the nightflyer's ranged attack. A projected missile that was part of a hidden sheath a sheath that was usually extended only during sex. Sex with a nightflyer is deadly for any but other nightflyers, their bodies secreting antitoxins to negate the poisons that were transmitted during intercourse. Hags were an exception. They were able to vibrate a frequency that worked like a centrifuge, spinning the poisons from the barbs with an enzyme found within the vocal cords of banshees. Hags, in every instance, where they were grouped with night flyers, were responsible for interacting between species. Their shapes were a more ethereal version of Sealy, bipedal creatures that allayed the instinctive fear the slaw generated. Unlike the other races, hags were encouraged to rank up, and their numbers contained more ranked duke, princess, and queen than any other species. Progeny were always born female. There were no male hag. Still, even with the hardships, new births entailed. If it weren't for the bias and the fear of the other races, fear that kept their numbers in check, they may have transformed Talim into the stuff of nightmares. The hag that attacked me was strong. Easily a highly ranked princess or newly ranked queen. Powerful enough that I had to cast healing and curative spells to remove the poisons. My body's natural regenerative properties were unable to restore. It was the first time I was unable to passively heal out the damage I was taking. Hags were capable of flight, so I would need to use my range spells to retaliate. They didn't have wings like night flyers. They had adapted the banshee flight instead. The flowing and tattered gown the hag wore was streaming in the wind as she moved for a line-of-sight position, the fallen debris obscuring me from sight. As she searched, I was able to expunge the last of the poisons and heal back up to full. Her flight gave mobility and position during battle, but it left the combatant open for retaliation. There were ways to make use of the terrain to buttress position and minimize counterattacks, but this hag had attacked while I was in a garden with not much to be used to affect line of sight. As I stood, I realized the hag was not alone. She represented the unseely faction, but the portal that was closing after disgorging a dozen ranked duke seely had me reassessing this battle. I thought the slaw that had attacked did so because of location and opportunity, but that didn't appear to be the case. The portal showed that the hag was part of a quick-reaction combat team that the Seelie and Unseelie jointly fielded. It explained so much about why no one had claimed this land before now. Those that had tried were targeted and killed before they could become too powerful. Instead of dueling one-on-one, I would need to contend against a dozen. Since they had attacked without provocation, I felt no compunction about responding. My only thought was that they were idiots. They should have tested my abilities before revealing their hand. Assassination would have been the smarter move. A dozen Sealy, I killed instantly. Shards and spears of the coldest ice erupting from the ground in a spray of blood and body parts that killed them before they could respond. It may have been honorable to give them a warning or allow them to retreat, but they had pissed me off. There had been no honor in using a portal to engage the sneak attacks. The hag responded in fury and fear, her screams echoing, summoning those sloth guards that had been patrolling the area. A summons that was ignored. She was ranked queen and should have been able to command, but these night flyers had abandoned the unseelie lands for a reason. They would not be constrained by the whims and fury of one that had forced their exodus. As her voice was still reverberating, I began sending fireballs and ice spears her way, burning plasma that echoed the fiery brilliance of the sun, followed by spears, sharp and seeded with an ember of fire each, fire and ice, that allowed them to explode on contact. The hag was able to definitely evade each of my attacks. Her distance made it possible for her to gauge the path a fireball or ice spear would take. I would need to close the distance. If I wanted to end this before she decided, the only prudent thing to do would be to escape. She lost to anger at the moment. Not so lost that she stopped dodging, but furious enough that she continued to shoot darts of poison my way. I was able to track the path of her attacks as effectively as she. Neither of us able to damage the other. Until I decided to take the battle to her. I'd wondered a while ago what it would take for me to gain the ability of flight. It seemed with my bloodlines, it would be possible. I'd never gotten around to testing my theory. But the gains in skills one was capable of achieving in combat made the attempt worth trying. Fire and ice, hot and cold. Tornadoes and storms were predicated on the fundamentals of these two opposing forces when moist hot air came into contact with dry cold air to create the instability required for funnels to form. I was uniquely qualified to produce both forces, and unlike natural storms, I could direct where and when those forces would meet. Channeling both forces, I used my magic to set a focal point, a gathering nexus that allowed the forces to be contained to a singularity a point that I could open like a spigot and direct the tumultuous winds that were produced. I had to create an ice shield around my body, something for the wind to use as traction, but that was the final key I needed to create flight. It was awkward at first, my body flailing as the wind buffeted me around like a leaf caught in a cyclone, but eventually I learned the trick of it, Locking my muscles in place using the ice shield to control direction. The hag was as surprised as I was delighted when I blasted off. The battle was forgotten as I soared across the firmament. My ability to increase the power contained within the Singularity meant that my flight speed was impressive. Too fast for the hag to react. For those Sealy that had dared trespass earlier, I had killed them by skewering them with spears of ice. For the hag, I would return insult with insult. She had used her stinger to shoot me with poison. I would use my fire to cleanse her poison forever. I created fire shield and began to modify it, narrowing and sculpting it until it was less shield and more glove. Once done, I took aim, adjusting ice shield to guide my path and released all the wind contained within the Singularity. I hadn't meant to create a new spell, but System recognized actions, not intent, and as I released the Singularity to blast myself at the hag, Fire Kinetic Blast became part of my skill set. She had no time to react as my fist struck. The kinetic force was so great that I punched completely through her. My vision obscured by blood as her body exploded on contact. World Announcement King Te Mac de Belarossi Cryonax has been victorious in battle against Seely and Unseely forces. Those factions are constrained from further combat actions for five years unless factions enter a state of war. System Announcement You have demonstrated determination and protected your fledgling kingdom. Overcoming an unprovoked attack by the Sealy and Unsealy factions. Rewards Spell Flight. Rewards Spell Fire Kinetic Blast. Rewards 1% of all taxable income from Sealy and Unsealy faction for five years. Reward Title Calm Under Fire. You not only overcame an unprovoked attack, you used the opportunity. To create new system spells. Bonus to created spells. Plus 5%. Rewards The Slach have witnessed and recorded your actions. Sharing the battle across multiple platforms. Minus 1000 Seely Reputation. Minus 500 Unseely Reputation. Plus 750 C Reputation. Rewards Kingdom Menu Functionality Unlocked. Coming in for a landing was a lot harder than taking off had been. After a few false starts and stops, I finally managed. It wasn't pretty. In fact, it was ignoble and embarrassing. But I wouldn't trade the ability because of a bit of wounded pride. I wouldn't have long before I would be swarmed by my retainers. I'd landed on the estate roofs to give myself a few moments of peace so that I could understand the changes to my menus. My system layout had updated. New tabs were created that allowed for kingdom administration, resource allocation, and faction management. Trying to understand what functionality I had gained as a monarch, I began exploring this specialized submenus. The biggest boon I noticed was the ability to give nationwide quests. It would help in attracting specific people to fill roles that my court would need and mark resources for harvest. I could also reward those that were interested in mapping unexplored areas. Once I had finished browsing the new menus, a system message icon began blinking. Normal system events that were queued for later viewing were relegated to combat and resource logs. Anything else system prioritized and opened a status screen immediately clicking on the icon i was pleasantly surprised that system had gifted me with perks and boons that might level the playing field between the three factions regional announcement angle Gyaura, starting pack you have gained 3 portal arrays installation may be placed at location selected by user geosynchronous arrays have been distributed to allow for effective communication and updated mapping features. A national bank has been established and opened. A comprehensive breakdown of dungeon resources and spawns has been made available. A selection of border fortifications and emplacements are available for placement. These fortifications can monitor and protect against incursion and establish border control Allowing for controlled migration and immigration. Talim World Capital has established a link and passage between cities. Angel Gyaura, capital, Sor or Shlabreden, SOS, has been given access to the Talim World Sithen. An embassy has been created. Changes to the Capital Throne Room have been made. King Tay has been invested and seated as a co-equal monarch of the world government. Acceptance of the starter pack set off a slew of new system announcements. Each one seemed to be aimed at either rewarding those that would join the Tuatha de Danan faction, or punishing those that had usurped my prerogatives as monarch. World announcement. King Tei Mac de Belaros, e Cryonax, has initiated Danu's kiss blessing. His lands enjoy Danu's blessing. Danu's kiss increases fertility for all. sea that choose to offer Didanan faction by two hundred percent. This percentage may increase as more Anamkara are identified. Crops and domesticated livestock enjoy a fifty percent increased yield. World announcement: The kingdom of Gyaura has elevated. Benefice Alice Wayne, Vassals Cedric de Tay, Anam Cara, Euron de Tay, Lorne de Tay, and Knight Basil Henry as members of his court and council. How the system determined what these people would be elevated to, court and council, I was uncertain. Perhaps it was that they had the requisite rank? I did lack the numbers to choose from. At least until prospective applicants decided to take the risk and offer their services. I was sure that I could append, elevate, and dismiss members as Morrissey offered their fealty. World Announcement Queen Mab, King Lough, and Court Puck are in violation of the Interfaction Treaty concerning the treatment of external factional subjects. House Member Irvin Detay vassals Cedric de Tay, Euron de Tay, and Lorne de Tay have been abducted and held against their will and without the permission of their liege lord, ignoring the prerogative and protocols that are owed fellow ranked monarchs. Penalties accrue as long as members of House Tay are held against their will. Penalties include a loss of one percent of all Seely faction taxes collected daily. This amount doubles every week that these house members are detained. Collected currencies are awarded as recompense to those detained. Regeneration Debuff Sealy faction regeneration and healing suffer a 10% penalty. This debuff is effective until house members are restored to their liege lord. While this was satisfying, and if not for the fact that Irvin was being tortured, I might have allowed their captivity to continue until the Sealy faction was bankrupt. I had no intention of not acting sooner. A day was too long to leave things as they were, let alone weeks. Once the last system message was broadcast, new prompts required my attention. I prioritized them, selecting three to deal with immediately. The first was the decision on where to deploy the three portals I had been awarded, the second was the layout and build of the sithern and the final was a list of ranked that were willing to accept my conditions to swear fealty and change faction. I played with my status screen, attempting a display of treasury and faction members to display in real time. Two numbers that were enabled to display at all times. Fiddling with the layout a bit, I managed to get what I was hoping for. It was the only HUD feature I toggled to always show. 12,284,653 gold. 89,487,384 faction. Those that had chosen to become members of Tuatha Didinan faction had begun increasing exponentially after the announcement about fertility gains for all C. I thought it likely that perk would do more to attract a slew of converts than anything I could offer. The continuing hardship of reproduction for sealy and unseely had become problematic. If things continued as they were, extinction was a real concern. The chance to give birth, to once again have children to cherish, was an enticement that would be hard to ignore and if more Anamkara were found and formed the ritual to bond, then the potential buff could be the salvation for two people. Once I had finished reading the final note, I decided to wait before acting. Jumping off the roof, I was greeted by only a few people. Brianna, Basil, we need to move our people to Sorash Labreinhain, I said, glancing at the destruction that the recent battle had caused cognizant of the fact that the people who were watching my actions were being cautious about entering the garden space. Basil, do we own this estate or have we leased it? I asked. We negotiated a five-year lease with an option to renew, he reminded me. I want most of our people at the capital, I directed. Choose a skeleton staff to stay here as caretakers until I decide if there is a reason to keep the property. Have repairs completed as soon as possible. Everything else needs to be packed up and ready to take up residence in our new home, I said, activating the MAI mapping feature. I found SOAR easily. The capital is here, I explained, sharing the location. About 300 miles north of Delar, a trip that we can make in half a day without pushing it. I will ride ahead with Aspen, Pine, and the Duchess while you and Brianna organize the migration. I wanted to be on site before I started making changes to structure. Placing the capital portal and experimenting with expanding the Sithern's functionality so that it could exist not only under hill, but as an expansive city that could connect to the harbor I had envisioned. Your Majesty, Gil protested. Is it wise to travel without any gods? You have become a larger target to more people than just the silly monarchy. He was right, but I didn't want to waste time. I intended to have Mila running full out. My hindbrain had been warning me that those that were held in captivity may be in even greater danger now that system messages had been broadcast. The system made no mention of what would happen if my people were dead especially if the Sealy manipulated events, so that their death was delayed until they stepped on Angle Hiaura soil. Perhaps not, but I will risk it. And Basil, I said, remembering the events from earlier, inform Duke Adewin of Thom's death. Let him decide how or what to tell Squire Leon.